Science. Hello, hello, welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. Hello, hello. Uh, I'm Jesse Case. I'm Matt Kirshen. No hello, hello's from me. Oh, it just takes too much talking. time. Yeah. It takes too much time to, for me to, like, there was wasting <laughs> listeners' time if I were to say hello, hello. That's a whole, like, two seconds of the show not happening. Are you referencing that we're 20 minutes late? Is that what you're doing? Well, is that is that a joke about being 20 minutes late? It, it's not. It's not. But it can be. Okay. All right. It, it can be that. Fair enough. Well, they don't know we're late. We're right on time, everybody. Yeah. Right. Right on time. <laughs> um, we've got we've got friend of the show returning friend of the show Nate Craig with us. Hey, Nate. Don't worry, guys. I'm still here. Yes. <laughs> Good to be back. Thank you for having me. It's it's good to have you back. It's been a while. I think it's, last time you were here it was uh in the old Bluebell days. Yeah, before science flared up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> before our biology ran rampant. Uh, yep. We did have a little science outbreak, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah, we got scienced in the face, man. We we uh it was pretty intense. I don't know if we learned anything. Either. No. No, we learned that we hate it. Yeah, we learned we that we hate it and we're not impressed. It's <laughs> really, yeah, I, I, God, that first month, which is three years ago this month, I remember just sitting on my front porch talking, pontificating about like, oh, you know what, this is going to hurt, but everyone's going to learn about the scientific method. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'll be renewed respect for scientists of all stripes. Yeah, well, I mean, we had nothing to, none of us have been in a pandemic before. We had nothing to compare it to. But I was yeah. like, I was like, well, this will be a moment of growth, surely. Yeah, <laughs> I was so, I was so optimistic about. <laughs> it'll, it'll finally be, I think the country will truly come together. There'll, there'll be no long, no more will there be the great division in our nation. Yep. Yep. And then a vaccine. I'm like, finally, we'll just easily get ourselves out of this in an agreeable way. This is going to be great. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Well, Maybe, it's, people can't, you know, th- it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work to understand science when you could just evolve as a as a victim generations in a with just one wildly stupid video on YouTube. <laughs> sure. Sure. I just it's a weird spot that we find ourselves in. Where if people are only believing things that they themselves observe in front of them, like like, yeah, I mean you know like the flat Earth thing is like new, like we that's new, right? I mean that's new. It's not. It, it's. Mm. I mean, it's been a long as around as long as the Earth's been flat, but um, right. Sure, but uh, we grew, we grew up in a world. Where everyone agreed on the shape of the planet. Where we had sailed around it. <laughs> you know, we, and... We accepted the fact that we sent boats out and they came back behind us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> But I mean, if the, if the reason, if the reason for the skepticism uh, about the Earth's shape is just that, like, I myself have not been to outer space and seen the spherical thing, then it's, I mean... It's kind of game over for any fact, you know. Oh, right. Like, if you what? need firsthand, yeah, yeah. Well, do, I mean, you could say like, like there yeah. could just be a conspiracy. Like, I don't believe in lungs. Right. I don't, I don't believe they exist. You know. 
there, some conspiracy theories are so humorless. Like the the flat Earth thing is like that's you fun. have to you you have to be you're you're touched a little bit. Like you're you're on this you're way spectrumed out, which usually is I would think science friendly, but. That one is like. I, I, like, did you I guys... put it on a different spectrum of. I would. I. I put it on a sort of. There's some kind of psychology going on there. Well, it's, it's definitely um... narcissist. Like you're not accepting. Right. Like Jesse, you're. It's. 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 You're the. The reality is only in front of your periphery. But like, did you... right. It's very. It's very toddler. Like you're still dropping things and they did, disappear. Did you see the? Did you see? <laughs> I don't know if you guys are are NBA fans, but. But watching the NBA on TNT with Barkley and and Shaq and Kenny Smith and Ernie, at one point Shaquille O'Neal suggested that it was faster to fly to the moon than California because he could see the moon. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it's it's some of the best television I've ever seen. And and the rest of the panel, like they don't, you know, he kind of is like tongue in cheek, and it's, he's going for the gag a little bit. But he's like, it's an earnest suggestion. Like it's an he's like asserting something and they laugh him out of the studio because it's like well none of us that logic actually kind of checks out as far as we know as far as like we you know right have, as far as how we relate to our own peripheral vision but that's insane. it is quicker generally to travel to things you can see than things yeah. you can't see that right true. that's true <laughs> that is completely true. It's a useful exercise to figure out how you would quickly rebut that. You know, like, yeah. The, the, the humor. That I mean, they, I, I would say I can see the Hollywood sign from my window, but I can't see the downstairs neighbors. Right, right. <laughs> That's, That's a right. good point. That's a good point. Okay. I like yeah. to imagine Shaquille O'Neal. Like after that, he feel he's all bummed out. He got laughed out of the studio, and he goes back to his house, and it's just full of cave paintings. <laughs> like it's just full of weird <laughs> Neolithic art. You know, um, I, um... <laughs> by the way, Jesse, the toddler thing about flat earth, like that just delights me to think about a bunch of people renting out an entire convention center to have the, uh, object permanence is a conspiracy. <laughs> right. It's not there. It's not there. And they're all playing. The, the, where the are our noses? Yeah. I, I'd love to get hired as a magician for that conference. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, if oh if you ever get too distracted uh, getting in an argument with a flat earther, you could just distract them by playing peekaboo, yeah. <laughs> and they'll just... flip the fuck out. See my assistant disappear before your <laughs> closed eyes. <laughs> um, I remember years years ago when my younger sister was I I don't know how old, like she she was old enough to be talking but not much older, and the the moment that she realized with a little bit of help from me that you don't just get taller and taller the older you get <laughs> and height isn't directly corresponding with age because i can't remember what she said that sort of suggest that made it clear that that's what she thought and then i was like well who's taller out of me and mummy and you could just like see the cogs turn and a whole worldview turn on its head and she sort of worked out like well hang on she's shorter but I'm pretty sure she's older. <laughs> right. How did she thinks everyone in the NBA is 100. <laughs> yeah, it's just... <laughs> Elderly basketball league. <laughs> Man. But just, just realizing that this sort of, this basic rule that you've learned, that older people are big, like big people are old and small people are uh, young. Yeah, and they're yeah. just like, 
oh, there's a little bit more nuance to this this rule that I've been applying to existence. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love a good simple rule. You know, <laughs> I love a beautiful, a beautifully simple formula. I love it. The simpler rule is the truer it is. That's a simple rule for you. The the what? The simpler a rule is, the truer it is. That's a simple rule. Is <laughs> and therefore true. Right? Sure. <laughs> is that sure. good logic? I think it right. fits. I mean, sort of close to Occam's razor, but yeah. also I not guess quite. that's why like even like the flat earther people, uh they'll they'll still quote E equals MC squared because it's very easy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's very simple. So, so you can still believe in that. They're not, they're not out challenging things that are challengeable, you know? They're not out challenging things that are challengeable. Well, that was, yeah, that was, a, that was admittedly a fucked up sentence, but like they're <laughs> like, like things, things that well, they're, would they're like be up for debate. Like bits of science. They'll, they'll be like, yeah, no, cause, cause as, as Einstein said, well, you can't have Einstein and, and you're, I'm not allowing you to have Einstein's right. theories. Right. <laughs> if. If you're also just taking away most of physics. Sure. Sure. You can't get to Einstein, but then, like, not be into Newton. Yeah. You can't be standing on the shoulders of giants that are on the shoulders of turtles that are holding up the earth. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Write it down. Dude, that's a great analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. There's this this woman that... um, I live in Venice, and um, this woman subletted one of the uh, apartments in my courtyard. She was a scientist, and she had disproved the – well, she had proven that the water on Pluto was um, older than they th- previously thought it was, and it was, uh, you know, in contrast to, like, decades of scientific uh, doctrine. Or- she did that from Venice? She did it. Uh, no, she <laughs> did it. She did it. I believe she went to um, BU, um, or she went to some school on on the East Coast, and I think closer Boston. to Pluto. Closer to Pluto. <laughs> From here, as far as I can yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's you, why. Look, that's why she moved there. If you look up there. <laughs> but uh, she was here. So 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 she 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 changed scientific opinion officially and was given was granted the option to do whatever she wanted and so she was going to go to the antarctic and she was going to um see how old exactly the water was here and um i think if i remember this correctly and so but she had to train at boeing to be able to go there uh for the purposes she was going there for the length of time she was going there for so she was in my courtyard for like five six months and i got to know her a little bit and one night we were hanging out we were drinking and she you know she was this fucking wild awesome cool chick she had piercings all in her face and she was just like fucking just an incredible conversation she looked like a classic girl that gets into ice cores yes you know what i mean we've all met i I can uh, tell when i'm in an ice core bar like all right (laughs) steampunk ice core she was versatile (laughs) and uh and she, she, she was telling me about how, how, how fucking, because uh, I, I asked her, I was like, how, so what about an earthquake? How come, you know, they say that since the fault line's inland, you know, that we're not really in at risk of tsunami as they are up upstate. She was like, yeah, but it's not going to matter where we are. She was like, this is, this is all fucking suicide to live here. She was like, especially down there in Playa Vista. She's like, I don't know who let those people develop Playa Vista. She's like, that's all a swamp. The whole thing's a grassland swamp. She's like, she's like, if, if an earthquake hits here, that place is done for she's like building there is like building a house of cards on a bowl of cereal <laughs> it, was, it was my fa- 
my favorite analogy I've ever heard. I was like, Jesus Christ. And I, in my scientific opinion, that's a not a good thing. Are you sure? <laughs> sure. She really I broke hadn't it heard down. That was a particularly, that wasn't like um, backfilled or what do they call it? Reclaimed land or anything. That wasn't like, man didn't, didn't fill in what used to be like the back bay in Boston. You know what I mean? Yeah. How that is like created land that used to be just a bay. It's yeah, not like I, that. It's just it's just marshland that's just unstable if there's an earthquake. Well, the, if you go down Lincoln there, you see, you know, towards the ocean, it's uh, along north and south of the LA River where it comes out there um, to, at the end of the marina. Like, that's all grassland still. And I mean, I, I always just assumed it was for nature, <laughs> but but it, it went back a ways to like where the YouTube uh, building is. That right, they, yeah. Where, YouTube warehouse. Like, it went back there until a couple years after I moved out here, it, it turned into like this big you know just a whole new brand new neighborhood of of brand new condos and a whole foods and they got the popping off the popping off whole foods it's always popping off in there they got the bar inside yeah <laughs> they got it is quite a scene it's a club, and yeah. uh and yeah so that's all new and uh she was just laughing at it just the fact that yeah that's all gonna be that's some, gonna de that's some developers talked slowly. you know paid off some council members to you know let them ha let them have it finally interesting yep man i mean sorry for the sorry oh, sorry no. for the sidetrack but matt kershen's uh greatest analogy of all time had, to, had got me going <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm happy to be trumped by standing your, on the show what did you say again? standing on the shoulders of men standing on turtles <laughs> <laughs> there's a on giant on a on a turtle <laughs> standing on a turtle that's holding the earth um, alternating Einsteins and turtles all the way down. It does, it does make you wonder, like, obviously now, like, geology time is so slow compared to civilization time. So, like, I understand building Pompeii, like, without knowing, like, I, oh, of course, I, yeah. you know, I get it. Uh, and same with Los Angeles, like, I understand. But there had to be points while they're building it where there were earthquakes that just weren't awful. Yeah. And you have to, was, like, convince yourself, like... This is fine. Known. It's fine. Just keep going. You know? Matt, you were asking when was it known? Yeah, when was the sort of science of plate tectonics? Um, like when could you have a sense for an area being more prone to it? Here we go. Content. Wow, it was It was only the, the plate tectonics as a concept was only really developed in the 50s and solidified in the mid to late 60s. Yeah. It's, it's much later than I thought. So I, I didn't realize it was that recently... It's very recent, and there, like, there are tons of massive cities just in horrible areas, like the one we're currently podcasting from. <laughs> yeah, but you just have to you have to be like, I mean, if if huge tragic things happen every two thousand, three thousand years because of it, you have to just be like, oh, okay, all right, this is this is fine, you know? Yeah. It's just it's just interesting to me how many places like we have, you know. Although Matt, wait, you said. Plate tectonics as a field of study was just like the 1950s. That's that's what it seems to be. I'm also seeing that Thales of Miletus, an ancient Greek philosopher from about 600 BCE, um, suggested that earthquakes were the result of movements in the Earth's crust. Okay, well, there you go. But then specifically the fact that there are plates, like continental plates, that right, 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 are moving. So Alfred Wake. Yeah, because in, in the 50s, we had to decide uh, where it was cool to drop atomic bombs. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, Alfred, yeah, 
Alfred Wegener in 1912, and then a 1915 book, The Origin of Continents and Oceans, sort of really formulated this idea, um, the idea of Pangaea that was then, that then split apart, but it wasn't widely accepted. Uh, and then 20s and 30s and 40s, uh, oh, there, there were drifters and mobilists and fixists. Oh, drifters or drifters or mobilists who are proponents of the theory, and fixists who are op- opponents of the theory. I like a drifter. Is that somebody who believes that the continents are floating? That's exactly who thinks there's drift, and then fixists who are saying it isn't. Then the 1920s and 30s, the the drifters or mobilists reached important milestones, proposing that the, this is all from Wikipedia. Convection currents might have driven the plate movements, and spreading may have occurred below the sea within the oceanic crust. They started to build up sort of geophysical evidence. Well, what's they're all right, right? Because I mean, it's the the continents ha- did move, so they were but, floating on something. But it's the, it's the fixits who were the who were the ones who were wrong, the, the ones who said it was fixed and it wasn't moving. Oh, right, um, right. But then, yeah, there mm. are lots of different developments in different scientific fields that all supported it. There was magnetic field detection, uh, geological detection, botany. I mean, just like the fact that you know you could you. You can see how it used to fit together, how like the bulge in South America fits the like jigsaws into the west coast of Africa. Right. Sure. And it all just kind of like looks like. But then they start, you know, you start to find like, oh, the the same rocks are on both sides of now an ocean, but previously maybe not. And yeah, by the way, do, do you guys follow Terrible Maps on Twitter? No, I, I see don't it follow being it, retweeted I see sometimes. It sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a must follow. Yeah, they just had a it's sort of like the optical illusions Twitter. That's oh yeah, just the, that was they are is that one still optical. going? Because I remember laughing at it a lot. The optical illusions one. I don't know. I mean, this one's I guess uh, not so much trying to bait you into like it's not trolling to make you think they're being legit. It's just like funny, stupid maps. But then sometimes it is sort of a troll. Like there, it is true that the easternmost point of Brazil is. Um, closer to africa than it is to the westernmost point in brazil Hmm. that's actually true and sort of interesting um and you could draw that out on a map and be like oh yeah and instead sorry say that say that one more time please the easternmost point of brazil is closer Mm -hmm. to africa than it is to the westernmost point of brazil oh wow yeah Hmm. very counterintuitive um, Brazil can, is that massive? Is that is that wide? Is that massive? And the gap is not as wide as you'd think. I, no, I think it's just that Africa is that far west. If you stand in New York, you can look out. You can see it. Yeah. You know, if you really squint on a clear day, you can look out there. But terrible maps posted. Um, it's quicker than flying to California. That's true. That's true. But terrible maps posted a version of this that had two lines. <laughs> One drawn from the easternmost point of Brazil to the closest point in Africa, and the other drawn from the westernmost point in Brazil to the closest point in Africa. And it was pointing out that um, <laughs> the easternmost point in Brazil is closer to Africa than the westernmost point of Brazil is. <laughs> and then every, like half the people reply like, well, no. I, yeah, but no. Also, but also, it, it's right, right, right. <laughs> I've I've looked at yeah. This is a funny. Below it is a map of countries by height of shortest building, and it's 
<laughs> it's labeled <laughs> over over 50 meters is in red and below 50 meters is in white and like, every country is colored in white and every country's red yeah yeah uh nate something we always ask everybody and i know you've been on before i know you're Fire a regular away. you're a paid regular around these parts we paid yeah. nate right we've, sure we he's gotten his money um uh, how'd you get into science? What's your background in science, if anything? And it could be so vague and stupid. It could wow. be uh, you liked Bill Nye as a kid, or you had a chemistry kit, or you uh, liked explosions, you know, whatever. All right. Well, let me start at the beginning. I <laughs> did not fail out of biology one. Nice. And um, made it all the way through that. Um, made it through biology two um, with all a little bit more grace and um, acceptance. And then um, took a long break, took a sabbatical, took sure. a, a 30 year sabbatical. Uh, and, uh, and then um, married my wife, whose parents are geophysicists. Okay. That, that is my, uh, that is my, uh, my most greatest achievement in the uh, in the art of sciences. When you first met her parents, I, I'm I'm in the I, in the in the Christianity of sciences. <laughs> sure, I uh, I was, no. I mean, when you first met her parents, did you try to brush up to have a conversation topic to not seem like you're an idiot? Wow, like, I, you know, I, I didn't even cross my mind. I was just I I didn't have because I mean that's a dangerous move because then if you're trying to play that game <laughs> then you're really ex oh, you know you're you're hanging you're dangling yourself sure and dude I <laughs> I, I, I had a girlfriend whose father was a, is a famous uh, ophthalmologist uh -huh. and I was terrified of meeting him like terrified and I uh, know nothing about eyes or how they work and uh, I gave it like a I read like wiki the night before I was like in case this comes up and then, uh, of course, it didn't come up. But I was just immediately, at, I was so proud of what little I knew that, like, well, out of I'll the, just look over there. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, how the rods and cones going? You, you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> talking about the macular. Nice to meet you, sir. Done any blinking lately? Uh, right, right. And uh, yeah, it didn't work. I understand at all. that's useful to uh, keep the eye wet. Right. Uh, oh, what a day. Huh? I love it when the light brings the colors to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, sometimes your daughter lets me refract on her uh, lower back area. If I... um, wait a second. Uh, now we... <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of dilation, huh? your daughter, what a woman. <laughs> I think I'm nailing it. I think I'm winning him over. I uh... <laughs> You ever, you, ever meet an, you ever meet an ophthalmologist who could stomp the shit out of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. <I've laughs> Speaking of pupil, been, your daughter's been, quite a student of the uh, oral skills. I uh... <laughs> he, he, beat, he beat me in the eyeballs until I left <laughs> he, his house. <laughs> he, I am blind now. He's been beaten in the eyeballs. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just made a real jackass out of myself. It was horrible. So I'm glad you didn't do that. I'm glad you didn't no, like. No, no, no. My move was to charm them with my curiosity. That there was you my go. Move. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I should have done that. Um, and, and as far as they tell me, it worked. But uh, you know, they're very buttoned up scientists. So okay. I'm, I may just be. I just made that. Just may be a story I'm telling myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. by the way, guys, did we mean to? Did we 
hear about the earthquake and that's why we started talking about earthquakes or not? No, no I mean, I saw something going around about a, a massive new earthquake, but no, it's, we got it's into trending on Twitter right now. 6.8. Is it from today or from the other day? There's uh, a 6.8 earthquake in what? Nicaragua? Let's, I don't know why it's trending. Today it was the Middle East, right? Was it uh, really bad I, in the Middle East? Wow. I can't tell yet. That I've, one in Turkey was so big. It just, it just changed our whole parameters for like what we, what, <laughs> what our yeah. news cycle gives a shit about. Yeah. That was, it, that was insane. That Wait. was like a that was like the 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 sorry for the analogy, but the shooting in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> now no, we don't uh, care. Yeah. Now really. we don't care about a regular ass seven point Richter scale fucking right. double digit people death. No, you're you're the same. Yeah, exactly. Now it's like eleven victims. Ugh. Like maybe that'll make the late news. <laughs> Boring. Uh yeah. wait, yeah, this is just as of the last half hour. Um, oh wow. Afghanistan, Pakistan, India. Some places are saying 6.5, some 7.7. Those are some pretty populated places that Uh, don't necessarily have the highest building standards. Right. That's kind of worrying. Yeah, that was was pretty uh, fascinating to to see the... uh, the backlash on those developers in in Turkey. They were like... It was like a a full-on system. The way business got done and people were they were not happy. Uh, what do you? I'm not sure. I was just aware the fact of that, that buildings fell they so build, easily. And... They built all those all those shoddy, uh, you know, apartment right. buildings that just like collapsed inward on everyone's, you know, right. on everyone, and and people were pissed, and are pissed. Yeah, I would say that's piss offable. And it and it's it's so much it affected, it, uh, or will affect. I'm sorry. This is I should be paying more attention, but Erdogan's like stand potential re-election oh yeah because he's uh yeah that's yeah as a as a populist to then be told like oh yeah a lot of the people who basically paid his stooges money got to build these unsafe buildings right right that have now collapsed and caused horrendous tragedy yeah that's a uh, kitchen table issue (laughs) right (laughs) that issue is (laughs) we can't find the kitchen table (laughs) yeah jesus well, luckily, all we have to worry about in the world is viruses and earthquakes. There couldn't be anything else that's going to jeopard. Oh, wait a second. Wait, what's that, uh, Andy? What are you talking you know about? Because I was uh, with you. You're 100% correct. What's going on? Uh, no, deadly fungal infection. No. That's oh. right. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that that one is uh, that's for real, for real. Medical facilities. Yes, this is a story has been going around. We got we, it was sent to us by a number of listeners, I believe, including Justin Broad. I'm just going to assume. Justin Broad sent it because that's a, he's all over it. Statistically, it's a likely he's like scenario. a de facto producer now. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah, deadly fungal infection is spreading at an alarming rate. The CDC says the fungus, a type of yeast called Candida auris or C auris, can cause severe illness in people with weakened immune systems. Um, yes, a drug-resistant and potentially deadly fungus has been spreading rapidly through U.S. healthcare facilities. A new government study finds this. Um, the number of people diagnosed with infections, as well as the number of those who were found through screening to be carrying C. auris, has been rising at an alarming rate since it was first reported in the U.S. Researchers from the CDC and Prevention, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, I didn't know there was the P at the end, <clears throat> reported on Monday. Uh, the increases, especially in the most recent years, are really concerning to them. Uh, they've seen increases not just in areas of ongoing transmission, but also in new areas. 
The CDC warning published in the Annals of Internal Medicine comes as the Mississippi Department of Health is fighting a growing outbreak of the fungus. Since November, at least 12 people have been infected with C. oris with four potentially associated deaths. State's epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers said in an email, there's been ongoing transmission at two long care facilities, although cases have been identified at several other facilities in the state. Unfortunately, multi-drug resistant organisms such as C. oris have become more prevalent among our highest risk individuals, such as residents in long-term care facilities. The fungus can be found in the skin and throughout the body. It's not a threat to healthy people, but about one third of people who become sick with C. oris die. That's a really high. Yeah, uh, right. uh, okay. In the CDC report, researchers analyzed state and local health department data on people sickened with the fungus from 2016 through December 31st, 2021, as well as those who were colonized, meaning they were not ill, but were carrying it on their bodies with the potential of transmitting it to others who might be more vulnerable. Uh, the number of infections increased by 59% from 756 in 2019 and 2020, um, and then by an additional 95% to 1471 in 2021. So it's now been detected in more than half of U.S. states. I want to find out how transmissible this is. Uh, most concerning is the increasing number of fungus samples resistant to the common treatments for it. Awesome. Great. Yeah, there it is. Now, anti- yes. um, antibiotic resistance is like the so okay so you know how like um is an antifungal even an antibiotic technically i i don't know yeah but i i no i don't think it is i'm gonna say no but it's also the transmissible on skin and clothing is a big one right i mean that's it means it can live in goddamn anything that's yeah I'm paying 20 bucks a month now for GPT-4, the latest iteration of ChatGPT. So let's see what it says. Candida auris, um, the main modes of transmission for it are direct contact. Okay, indirect contact. Uh, can survive in services over extended periods. Great, awesome. Individuals can be affected by touching contaminated objects such as medical equipment, bed linens, or furniture. This is a common mode of transmission in healthcare settings like hospitals and nursing homes. Airborne transmission, although less common, some studies suggest that C. oris may be transmitted through the air, especially in healthcare environments. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Everything's going well. How do you to kill me. it? Does heat kill? What, what kills mushrooms? I don't know. Heat? That's a question for Joe Rogan. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a certain amount of heat does. I think enough heat kills anything, but anything, and radiation. Right. But, uh... I'm guessing that, I mean, the, you know, obviously there's the sterilization and and all the yeah you know all the bells and whistles that they got at a me- medical facility but it's probably just what leaving fu- them in the bottom drawer of the fridge for too long <laughs> yeah it's you it's it's got to be heat right <laughs> don't leave your elderly people in the vegetable drawer is the bottom line yes yeah it, what does what does it do yeah i don't know it's it's got to be like a hu- it's got to be humi- humidity or humility. It's got to be a humidity thing, doesn't it? Like what else could it be? I think the slidey thing is just like a slight aperture to the rest of the fridge, and if you close that aperture, like maybe it's just going to stay a little more dank. Like the moisture of the vegetables is going to increase the dankness in there. I don't know. We that it, that really is a a myth that we all believe in as crispers a, as a society. The crisper. <laughs> <laughs> All of our vegetables are in there right now, are they not? <laughs> yep. Is it? Is is this some collective delusion that the entirety of big bigger humanity has just bought into? 
Wait, no, it is about humidity. Yep. It provides a separate space with adjustable humidity levels, which can be tailored to specific needs of various produce items. Fruits and vegetables release moisture and emit ethylene gas, which can cause them to ripen or spoil more quickly. The CRISPR drawer's purpose is to regulate... Okay, ethylene gas is why bananas both and ripen then, uh, themselves and ripen all the fruit quickly. a little quickly. break from responding there. Yeah, if you put a spoon in your champagne bottle, it's not going to go flat either. That's that's the dumbest one, I think, I've ever heard. The dumbest. <laughs> How do you even drink champagne with a spoon? It's yeah. just like it's... Just <laughs> bananas ripening make other fruit ripen faster in their proximity? This is... I'm, I believe that's the case because it gives off ethylene. I'm, now I'm going to check this to see if this is some other thing that I've just believed. But... Bananas. You're meant, to, you're meant to keep bananas away from other fruit in the fruit bowl. <laughs> wow. But there's no way that the uh, avocado pit keeps guacamole green, right? That's impossible. Uh, the, it only because... Li- lime definitely does because it stops the oxidation. But um, the only reason why keeping the stone in has an effect is because the, it's just its exposure to the air and put, having a stone there is just effectively covering some of the surface. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, bananas do make other fruit ripen, there we go, because they release a gas called ethene, formerly ethylene. What, why is ethene's <laughs> name ethylene? Nay, ethylene. Uh, what about the meat drawer, then? Does a meat drawer and a crisper, are they the same thing? I. Uh, what do you mean, the meat drawer? Like, there's... Two, don't most fridges have two drawers that seem to be the same thing? And one of them, meat drawer. Fancy fridge guy. Well, it's the meat drawer, it's the cheese drawer, cheese drawer that you keep your meat in. And then, yeah, that's, those, uh, that's, uh, that's keep totally different. your meat in a, in a nice bucket. Totally different ecosystem okay. in there. Because huh. you need your meat to be moisturized, smaller, danker, fresher. I, I, I would guess that you the the idea is to keep meat in the lowest drawer so that it can't drip onto non-meat things. Well, I've been yep. messing this all up. I thought my crisper was my lowest thing, and I was putting the meats in the middle. Ugh. Nothing worse than when meat dri- droppings drip onto non-meat. That's true. Or at least, well, hang on. If it's the middle one, if there's like a glass shelf as opposed to one of the sort of metal rack shelves that have holes in metal them. rack shelves. yeah but even that glass that metal there that glass shelf gets a real that's a that's a real dark day when that's covered with uh chicken Ugh. juice you know yeah yeah i mean that holy shit have you guys ever had a fridge break or the power go out when you were out of town <sighs> no no, but I can imagine you come home to a deeply unpleasant scene. Gnarly. My my uh, my dad my f- dad grew up on a farm, so my uncle and my cousins still own it, and they raise beef cattle. And so my growing up, we always had like roasts and all kinds of meat. And we went to uh, we we went out of town one summer for like two weeks and came back to our our the power had gone out in the house and the and the uh, the downstairs meat fridge just a freezer fridge a refrigerator sized freezer stand up freezer had had uh, was was full of demons no. I mean oh. I mean demons I mean the ghosts the ghosts of a thousand cows so were haunting that basement let me ask you this if if I mean. How does that? This is the dumbest question, but like, how does that happen? If it okay, it's in there, it's frozen. The decay and all that—that's obviously bacteria and things like that. I mean, do they just thaw out as well? 
or like why is it a mess the water andy's left again by the way guys oh really well, he'll, he'll, he might he might rejoin. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. So yeah. So like, and he's having technical difficulties with there being bad weather and him still living in the desert. Yeah, yeah. These are infrastructure issues. Um, so does that make sense though? Like, I I guess I don't understand. Like, if you have like a sealed freezer. Well, this is I. I guess partly. Yeah. I, I, it looks. Andy's just texted. We we may not have him for the rest of the episode, and uh, we we wish him well. Okay. All right, and our hearts go out. Our to hearts him, go out to his internet, no internet connection in the desert. Oh man, science claims another victim. Yeah. All right, guys, we're gonna have to get professional. But that was. Um, but I think the question is, it's it's not a perfectly sealed system, and there is stuff already there right. and already on the already part of the meat. So that because that was um totally uh that was one of this is me they vague memories of again school science and school history of science but that was the big debate in like 18th and 19th century science of uh and when was when was louis pasteur was that mid 19th century was that 18 um but that was whether um whether germs spontaneously generate right or not or they come from the decomposition of yeah and it, and he was um I think it was Pasteur who did the experiment where he had the sealed, uh, there you go, 1800s to 1895. Okay. Uh, 1822 to 1895. So it was, uh, yeah, mid-19th century. Right. And I'm pretty sure it was Pasteur who did the experiment where he had, like, a sealed container, a, a st- sealed and sterilized flask, and nothing could develop. And then he broke the glass tube that led to the flask, and then germs germs formed. Okay. Uh so it's not not a dumb not a dumb question at all but also was was sorted out a good 200 years ago but 150 <laughs> years ago <laughs> most yeah, of my yeah. questions are things that have been sorted like you know the victorian at the latest but i i mean i ask questions about stuff where it's like we solved it in the renaissance you know well it was that that beautiful that really lovely nate bargatze bit about if he went back in time what could he do? <laughs> like, what could what could he? Uh, what knowledge would he have to get by? Ends with him going like, "I don't know if I could even prove I'm from the future." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got these uh, things in our pockets, and they get like information from space. So I don't know how. <laughs> like, it was just. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think the the question like the fridges aren't perfectly sealed, yep. and also yeah, new- there's already bacteria and and other parasites that are on meat, but just in small quantities uh, and small enough to be insignificant. But once they're thawed and have enough time to develop, then the party you know. begins. Exactly, there's probably like a, one or two small fly eggs knocking around. Yeah, that. Yeah, needless to say, my father's refrigerator was not air tight, and uh, <laughs> it was vulnerable, and um, the bacteria feasted. I've heard that about your dad's fridge. I, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've gotten word about it. Um, do we have any other stories? What's what's happening here? Let's yeah, cobble this together. Stories. Let's land this plane gracefully. That's yeah. We can we can do with that. I don't have the uh, links. 
The fungal story was sent in by Justin Broad, by the way. Thank you, Thank Justin. Thank you, Justin. So it's very kind of De facto of you. show producer so, Justin Broad. <laughs> he very much is. Um, hey, do we do we want a story about a, a terrifying story about nanoplastics from Science Alert? Yes, sure. Nanoplastics interfering with developing chicken embryos in terrifying ways. Talking about developing ways meat develops. Could have could have linked to it straight from that. Could have segued neatly. Oh my god! Well, just do it now. Yeah. First of all, let's. What is a nanoplastic? Nanoplastics, little bits of plastics, little little. Uh, the but what what what? Uh, how small does one well, have to be to be qualified? Basically, clothing and everything in a, on Earth that we now use that is made of synthetic materials is constantly shedding tiny little bits of plastic. Got it. So, which. So, for example, any polyester clothing, oh. base clothing. Oh, I got tons of nan- nanoplastics in my body right now. Oh, 100%. And also, just like every time every time the washing machine goes, that's like filtering off loads of tiny little bits. So, uh, oh. nanoplastic, the definition is uh, an unintentionally produced particle in the size range from 1 to 1,000 nanometers that show colloidal behavior. A, a colloid is just a suspension of a solid in in a liquid. So, uh, is a colloid specifically solid in a liquid, or is it? I remember learning about this. Is just like when one state of matter is evenly spread throughout another. So, like an emulsion is is another type. Um, emulsion colloid. Yes. It, well, no. Type. It's when it's when uh, one substance consisting of microscopically dispersed insoluble particles is suspended throughout another substance. There we go. Okay, so a colloid is the generic term for all the types, and then yeah. uh, an emulsion is a liquid in a liquid. So mayonnaise, for example. Sure. Good example. Uh, <laughs> or or, uh, or or salad dressing so you know the way it kind of separates if it's in the fridge for too long but then you shake it up and it becomes one thing mm-hmm. that's that's an emulsion and also a colloid uh here are aerosols foams gels souls what is a soul um so a foam a foam is a what word were uh, you what word were you curious about soul soul s-o-l Huh. An SOL is always oh, solid particles in a liquid medium, such as blood or ink Se- or mud. Sediment? Yeah, paint. Um, and solid souls can exist, like glass. Well, those are then a gel uh, is liquid in a solid. Yeah, no, you're talking about so ghosts like, now. Yeah, ghosts. So <laughs> toothpaste or gelatin, those are gels. Then an emulsion is liquid in a liquid, like mayonnaise or milk or salad dressing. Well, so, what would you coffee. call a liquid then? Because it's like I would just say mayonnaise is a liquid. You know, I like. But but mayonnaise is two is is two different types of liquid colloids together. You've got like there's the oil and then there's the. No, it's got to be able to make it through a funnel. Mayonnaise isn't a liquid. Okay, fair. What? So what? I can get what's your cutoff? Like you're not trying hard enough. No, like. Uh, uh, and an aerosol is a is a liquid in a in a gas. So what's what's your official definition of liquid then? And I'm talking your definition. When does something cease to be a liquid? Uh, never mind whether what it technically what's suspended in what. You know what I mean? Like wa- that, water, that, we're like okay, that's a liquid. Gatorade is a liquid. Uh, chocolate pudding. You know what I'm saying? Like when does something stop? Huh. When would you no longer call it a liquid? 
I think chocolate pudding is actually a gel. So, so your next step of 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 wetness is gel. This this is a question. So, is, does it have to do with evaporation, or, or is it a or is it a foam because it's air within it? Uh, so, a, li- a, a liquid can flow. I think is the is technically the definition, or is one definition. Okay. Whereas it, so it has enough bounds. It has enough bounds between the um like attraction between the molecules that it can't just float off freely but it has more than a solid does which cannot fundamentally cannot cannot flow cannot separate and rejoin and pour okay definition of a liquid i'm sure there is a much better scientific definition well while we're getting on that it is a nearly incompressible fluid that conforms to the shape of its container, but retains a constant volume independent of pressure. There we go. Okay, that's what that's how Wikipedia defines it. Huh. It conforms to the st- shape of its container. I feel like pudding fits in that definition. <laughs> yeah, but it but pudding doesn't retain a constant volume independent of pressure. It doesn't. No, I think if you I think you could squash pudding because you get the the because pudding has air hole air bubble pockets. Yeah, in but it. also we uh, Nate, you and I have to keep in mind that Matt is British and his pudding definition's fucked. Oh, that's uh, yeah. also true. You know yeah, what I mean? Not, pudding can be any you know, dessert. We're not even in the same. We're not even having the same conversation right now. Yeah, yeah, that just occurred to me halfway through. I was like, his <laughs> when when we say pudding, the the images that go through his mind would traumatize <laughs> all kinds anybody. of all kinds of. <laughs> Twigs. <laughs> um, they they got twigs in their pudding. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you can sort of imagine somewhere between like a sort of Dickensian horror pool. Yeah. Okay, some sort of compost setup. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't know how you colonize the whole planet and still have food that shitty. Like I don't know how it's possible. <laughs> Even they hate their pudding. They light it on fire. I know. I know. My mom. Man, this is brutal. Uh, my mother's mother is British, and they do this. Uh, it's called the Captain's Pudding. It's this old family recipe that I'm sure is not really an old family recipe. It's just uh, <laughs> everybody uses it and says it's an old family recipe. But it's a pudding that I would never call a pudding. You know what I mean? It's like an upside down, cakey, horrible thing. And she lights it on fucking fire every oh, yeah. year. I'm, you know, like like puts, I'm guessing it's ninety percent ninety proof alcohol. Yeah, she soaks it in rum and lights it on fire. And every Christmas, man, she has to tell the story. While and and she, <laughs> everyone hates it. It's the biggest bummer. Everyone has to sit around and shut up <laughs> while my mom tells this story that's only important to her. And then lights a pudding on fire like a psycho. And we all have to pretend it's great. It's it's awful. It's an awful pudding. Um, but I, I guess what I mean is it's so British. Like I would never call it a pudding. It, it's like a wet cake. The captain loves it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. It's probably covered with nanoplastics. You guys, ever since he got sober, the captain's been eating a lot more pudding. I know he eats a ton of pudding. That guy, um, there, there is, a, you know, while we're talking about this, there is, which overlaps with a lot of the interests of our show. A new scientist story about a 3D printed cake that's made from seven different pastes and finished by a laser. Well, I mean, obviously, we're going to have to get into that. Um, uh, it's a seven ingredient cheesecake. A seven ingredient cheesecake? What makes a cheesecake a cheesecake? So here's the deal. I've decided lately, maybe it's because I'm getting older, I'm a carrot cake guy. 
love carrot cake. Oh yeah, I, I'm not, Fucking and I never. It, ha- but... It's the texture. It's the texture. Okay. There was a there was a debate huh. about this when we were sorting out wedding desserts. You know, and, it's the uh, closest thing to English pudding. It is. You think as a Brit, I would be in favor of carrot cake as something that sort of has like some of the joy of cake, but with a sort of element of punishment. <laughs> sure. <laughs> some sort of, some sort of. Uh, <laughs> well, it's very it's filling and it's filling enough. I mean, it's mm. if I don't like cake that's too light because uh, I feel mm. like that was nothing. So it's just no. another mulch for peasants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, did you guys know that these nanoplastics out here are interfering with uh, developing chicken embryos? Oh yeah, we didn't finish. Yeah, that we got to we got to talk about this, guys. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's actually strange that you mentioned that because a new study of chicken embryos suggests that sufficient concentrations of teensy nanoplastic speckles could interfere with the earliest stages of development, glugging up stem cells from which tissues and organ organs normally emerge. That's very well said, Matt. I can't believe you just. Thanks. Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I am mostly just reading from this science alert ah. story. But these tissue defects that you can click on the link in the show mm-hmm. notes that are both on the podcast show notes or at probablyscience.com. You can find them there. But these tissue defects, say the authors, are far more serious and extensive than has been previously reported and includes heart defects, which have not been described before in animal studies and microplastics. Mm. So under the focus gaze of fluorescent microscopes. Biologist Miru Wang of Leiden University in the Netherlands and colleagues watched injected samples of nanometer-scale glowing plastic particles cross the embryonic gut wall and circulate into multiple organs of the chick's embryo. Man. We, you, yeah, we used a high concentration of polystyrene particles that would normally not be present in an organism, but it shows what nanoplastics can do in extreme cases on very young chicken Smart embryos. move. I would have used a low concentration of polystyrene. But yeah, they, that's, why, that's why you're not getting the big bucks. That's why I'm not getting the big bucks. Jesse. Mm. Nanoplastics are a fraction smaller than microplastics. Both are. T- Ooh! That's the t- big takeaway from that story. <laughs> Both are typically produced when synthetic clothes shed plastic microfibers or larger plastics break down into ever smaller pieces under the glare of UV rays or mechanical weathering. Sure. Past animal studies have tried to investigate the potential he- health risks of polystyrene microplastics, finding biochemical signs of potentially toxic effects as they accumulate in the livers, kidneys, and guts of lab mice. Well, results like this only hint at what might be happening in humans. We have good reason to be concerned. Our dependency on cheaply made plastic goods and synthetic materials is polluting our oceans and air with microscopic shards of plastic polymers making their way into our bodies and out the other side. Oh yeah, we are becoming plastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Um, that's the that's the, found- that's the new uh, the Last of Us. They need to do one. They did mushrooms. Now they need to do plastic. Yep. <laughs> Just uh, yeah. These studies have found these microplastics lodged in deep in human lungs, circulating in our blood and entering the placenta, which is meant to shield unborn babies from pathogens and other potentially hazardous materials lurking in the mother's blood. But think about it like this: now, newborn babies are going to have an immunity to plastic. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The the potential. Yeah, that's how it works with with all types of uh, things that can affect you. Like you can get a if you if you start off in front of small amounts of radiation, you can build up a tolerance to radiation. That's why I'm immune to you- crack. <laughs> Little joke about my mom. Uh- <laughs> uh- <laughs> but but the potential effects of microplastics on the early development of cells and tissues that go on to form organs and bodies are largely unknown. Most studies of that kind have been in aquatic organisms such as zebrafish. 
in these latest lab experiments, the polystyrene nanoplastics, which are 25 nanometers in size, seem to get stuck on stem cells called neural crest cells, stopping them from migrating into place where they would normally form important tissues and organs. In all vertebrates, these neuro, uh, neural crest cells give rise to parts of the heart, arteries, facial structures, and nervous system. A quarter of the chick embryos had one or two abnormally small eyes, while others show facial deformities, thinning heart muscles, and slow heart rates. Neural tube defects were also noted, which occur when the neural folds that form the early brain and spinal cords fail to meet and close properly. This all links back to the neural crest cells, the researchers suspect. Neural crest cells are sticky, so nanoparticles can adhere to them and thereby disrupt organs that depend on these cells for their development, says Leiden University developmental bi biologist Michael Richardson. So it does say, bear in mind the concentrations used in the study were far above levels that humans have possibly been exposed to and were rejected in an artificial manner. But yeah. the nanoplastic, the way they appear to latch onto neural crest cells could be worrisome even in scenarios of low-level exposures. The well, of right. course, that's their pitch because they did one of those what-if studies. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Look, we're all, just embrace it. We're becoming Tupperware. Mm -hmm. Embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it always weirds me out when a study, like when they're trying to find out, um, they're, they're like, uh, you know, sweet and low artificial sweetener causes cancer in lab rats. And in your mind, when you think about that, you just imagine a lab rat having some coffee with a little sweet and low and getting cancer. But it's like they they like make it live in sweet and low for months <laughs> yeah, and then it gets cancer. Yeah. So they're just yeah. they're just like raising these embryos in nothing but microplastics. Yeah, if you try to turn and they're like, a yeah, they're, they're coming out all fucked up. It's crazy. In into sweetener, it's not gonna it's not gonna make it. What happens? Right. I just mean these are these are six not natural conditions you know? to live in a packet of sweetener. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> what, they, what was the what was the fucking real world tagline? And start getting real. Real sweet. <laughs> so, uh, guys, you know, uh, real world great show. You know what else is a great show? Star Trek. You guys like Star Trek? Oh, yeah. I love Star Trek. My favorite part is when you could go up to a computer and tell it what you want to eat, and it just fucking makes it for you. You know? Yeah. Oh, insert that sound effect. Now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, But, you know, that'll never exist, that kind of technology. It's never going to happen. So that sucks, you know? Well, what uh, about that cake? What? What are you guys what, talking what about? about that, what about that 3D printer laser cake? Oh, Nate, I love how quick you're catching on to the horrible fucking show we do here. Um, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, would, I would love to tell you about that cake, but I do, I'm not going to subscribe to the introductory offer on New Scientist, so I'm going to need Matt to pick up that link. Uh, I will tell you that a cake has been 3D printed. Using seven simple ingredients blended into paste, and the result was a layered flavor that hits you in different waves, kind of like a little little tripping on some cake. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically the story. Oh, okay. That's, I made it through the story. I mean that's 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 the bulk of it. Uh, I'm, I'm now seeing. Nope, my subscription to New Scientist has run out as well. So, look at us, a shambles today. An absolute shame. Oh, yeah, we've, we've lost Andy. I mean, Andy's Andy's now missing, presumed. I mean, it's not like wet. the legend of the 3D printer laser cake will not live on forever in infamy. Sure. I mean, it, 
who who knows? Maybe we'll get to try it one day. Cut it with a regular old crude caveman butter knife, and fucking uh, have have a piece of it at a wedding right before we turn into. Right before we turn, turn into, into Tupperware, ch- we turn into chachkis. You store and- you store the leftovers in yourself because yep. <laughs> that's what you do. You put it in your mouth. You put the lid on, and then you store yourself in a drawer for next for until the next using. So, three D printed food uh, is indeed becoming a becoming a thing. Uh, generally speaking, three D printed food is a meal prepared through an automated additive process. So while this definition can be quite abstract, like think of those pizza vending machines um, that popped up in 2015, right? So the the doughs prepared extruded, topped with tomato sauce and cheese, and finally sent to the oven. Uh, This process, in a way, could be considered primitive 3D printing food process. But if you fast forward to 2023, there are exclusive 3D printing restaurants and dozens of food printers available on the market. Um, so mostly 3D printed food works like printing filament with a regular 3D printer in the sense that a uh, viscous material, a viscous a material is deposited onto a surface to create a final object. While there have been studies with other additive processes like binder jetting and SLS with powdered foodstuffs, uh, foodstuffs is a fucked up word. I've never liked it. Uh, it's still debatable whether these processes are viable for food printing or not. Um, so, so I mean, we, we if food printing is not new, um, right? What are Fritos? I mean, right? Like, aren't they blowing corn bits and like into shapes of like? Aren't the, isn't that what? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think this definition gets kind of squirrely because it's like you. Okay, if you think about these pastes... That, Pringles. Right. Pringles are the original 3D, 3D printed food. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, those might be like die cut or something, but if, if you're just going to layer things in an intricate shape, that's cool, but it seems like it's already, it's already cooked, like this paste. I mean, if it's cooking it as it's happening, I guess maybe that's... It's just automating cooking. I don't know. I don't know. 3D printing in general, I think, sounds cooler than it is. You know? Yeah. It's just the way it's a lot of food has been mass produced. Like Salisbury steaks. Okay, remember the Salisbury steaks when we were kids? Yeah. Did you guys ever have those? Sure. All right, so that like I, I, I don't I don't I don't know what, um, what a Salisbury steak is. It, okay. It's like a it's like an American version of pudding made of meat. It's like if you right it is if if you okay. if you made a pudding, uh, dried it out and pressed it and put like fake grill marks on it and then like it came out as like uh i mean it, literally in the shape of like a hash brown at mcdonald's and that's i mean that's just 3d printing with water right yeah you're just using less water with these machines yeah i mean i i uh just like micro layering things into a specific shape like 3d printing versus mold making or versus using molds i think it's probably just because it's easier but i would think any big like any giant facility uh is going to use molds because it's much much faster so you know like 3d i think 3d printing is still sort of in its hobby phase right 
Yeah, totally, because it's not as efficient as molds or any kind of... Yeah, if you have a giant factory, yeah, you know, then you're going to use, like, die cuts and all sorts of crazy shit. But if you just want to make, like, you know, your little World of Warcraft figure at home, like, okay, I get it, you know, sure. When When does it become viable, though? There's got to be something. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be things that can only be 3D printed, like the mold structures. Yeah, crater structures, like uh, things meant to lightweight things, flying uh, objects, maybe. Yeah, but also like you can get you can 3D print some impossible objects. You know, you can some objects that would be you couldn't make with a mold because there's. Right, like, like I mean, the sort of classic, like the ship in a bottle, but but solid. Oh uh, yeah, like uh, like like limbs, yeah, prosthetics. That's like the best yeah. application for sure. it right now. Right? Sure, no, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that it's. Uh, I think it's. No, no, no. You said what you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it's uh, just so in its infancy that it's. It none of this stuff is mass produced at the moment. You know, these are these are uh, extremely custom parts and things like that, which I think is great, you know, uh, like limbs and things like that. But um, as far as like, I don't know, um, coffee mugs or whatever, you're just going to use a mold down at a factory and uh, make those. So I think until it's that fast, that's going to be um, and takes up that less energy. 3D printers, like, use up a ton of energy. I just don't see 3D printed food becoming the way we do food. No, I I think that's going to be a nolt. Anytime soon, you know. Well, on that note, it's time to end the main episode. But, Nate, where can our listeners find you and your stuff? Oh, uh, all my tour dates are at natecraig.com. When will this episode drop? Pretty soon. Uh, I'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, March 30th, 31st, April 1st. I'll be in St. Louis, Missouri, April 6th through the 8th. I will be in Las Vegas at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, April 17th through the 23rd. I will be in Vegas again with Bill Burr, May 5th and 6th. I will be all over the place, uh, Montana, uh, San Luis Obispo, Winnipeg, Portland, Tacoma. Oh, shit. Come see me. Lovely. Find me. Go and, and see Nate. Nate is yeah, very funny. Let's comedy. talk science. Go to that. You can find us, as always, on uh, probablyscience.com, on Twitter, at probablyscience, individually, at Jesse Case, at Matt Kirshen, and at Andy T. Wood, RIP. Uh, probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. And also, the next three weeks, I am all over the country with Sarah Milliken. Um, we are quite possibly in a city near you, so... Uh, maybe go to that. We're uh, like we're all the way up the West Coast, and then across to Colorado and Illinois, then East Coast, then down through Florida, Atlanta, Texas. So yeah, we'll we'll be all over there. Do that. And uh, Nate, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Bye.